In this episode, I'm going to read Found Wanting, a Zen Mountain Monastery, by Bronwyn Lee, from a collection of poems, Flight Animals. Found Wanting at Zen Mountain Monastery. Itchy. He is sitting by a wall. He cannot see the cherry trees or my skirt as it billows in the wind. His molecules are senseless and lacking in potion as clouds have spilled their rain. Me. At lunch, a Japanese woman tells me she has just buried her drowned son. After the funeral, her husband left with her dead son's relief teacher. He had never known love like this. He has only one life to live, he said. He was asking for a blessing. The first night in her empty house, she dreamt her mind was muddled, that she had buried her husband and blessed her son. Son. Desire or craving, he says. He means to say thirst is the cause of all suffering. He is the one who will not remember me more, the one who lets my face fall without shock like vapour from his mind. She. So the woman fired up her motorbike, rode through the hills to the monastery, left her credit card with the office monk and walked into the zendo. Her mind was empty, her body composed as the ashed mantle of a kerosene lantern. Go. Some of us have bodies so spongy as thin and delicate that we are fed only by sucking in some fine spirit liquor that pierces like pure air and pine oil. Rockle. You have a question? The road she asked, the woman a week later. It is difficult living two lives, she says. Two lives? Yes. One life as it should be, the other as it is. You would like only one life? Roshi asks. Yes. So you feel you must pick one? Yes. Pick the life in which flowers grow in dirt. Shishi. The one I love is sitting by a wall. The wall is white. Thank you. In this segment of the episode, I'm going to do a little bit of commentary on... Found Wanting at Zen Mountain Monastery by Bronwyn Lee. What I found quite interesting about reading this poem is that the numbers are actually in Japanese. So that was me when you heard me saying Ichi, Ni, San, Shi, Go, Roko, Shichi. And I apologize for my atrocious pronunciation. was actually numbers. So it actually took me a little while to realize that that's what those were because I'm not obviously a Japanese speaker. Um, what I really like about this poem is that the section one, and it's when obviously the narrator is going to meet someone. I don't know, you don't know who the person is, but they're going there and going to be met them. And that's cherry blossoms because it's a, it's a monastery. And then it kind of segues the, the second section. And in fact, all the sections... Um, up until the very end are a sort of a story about someone completely different. Um, and their journey, you know, the, the husband leaves the wife after their son dies and the, the wife goes and joins a, a, a monastery and then gets to the very last section and you know, the, the narrator's back to looking for the guy or the person who's sitting by the wall and the wall is white. Um, what I really liked about Zen monastery poem, and, and the reason I read it out loud was I quite I quite like 
Bronwyn Lee's writing. Um, she's very Australian um, in, in the way she writes, and she's very sort of, I guess, very stereotypical Australian poet. She's very good, and she's, I mean, heavily influenced by people like Allen Ginsberg and Kerouac, and I feel like Gary Snyder as well, but that could just be me imprinting my reading onto her work. Um, I was actually lucky enough to be taught by Bronwyn Lee at uni, so I I know she was a big fan of Ginsberg because she talked about meeting him in the US. I don't think Ginsberg would have ever come to Australia. Um, again, this poem, there's not a lot of rhyming in Bronwyn Lee's poetry, but there's there's something define you know something definitely poetic about her use of language, you know, her, her stanzas, and she uses alliteration and she uses assonance, and you, you kind of walk away from a, one of her poems feeling like you have read poetry, and I feel like there are so many books of poetry now, what with Instagram and such, where a lot of it's just broken line prose and it's just kind of boring and unimaginative um, and, and so there's like again and I've said this in the last couple of commentaries I've made there's storytelling quality to it so it's not just poetry for the sake of poetry it's very carefully considered imagery and word choice in, in, in painting a picture of a Zen monastery and, and the second last section the, the Roku section where the conversation between a Roshi and the Japanese woman it's a very well-constructed section. I mean, the, the answer, pick the life in which flowers grow in dirt, is maybe a bit too contrived for a Zen master, but it's such a good line, um, because it is something you can imagine a Roshi saying. Um, and again, I'm, I'm going to sort of end it here, where I'm just going to reinforce, I do like the fact that the numbers are actually in Japanese. Um, and that the imagery is just so good. And there is things like, you know, his molecules are senseless and lacking compulsion as clouds that have spilled their rain. It's just a lovely line. And it's just, the whole poem is just filled with lines like that. So I hope you enjoyed my reading, and I hope you enjoyed the rambling commentary. Thank you.